TGIF, Cleveland Rocks, The Rock Rocks, Friday Rocks, AEW Revolution Rocks, Robert Carpolis Rocks, WWE Creative underscore ish. Robert, how are you this Friday? I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday, guys. We made it through another week. We are one step closer to AEW Revolution. We're one step closer to WrestleMania. Uh, we are one step closer to talking Billy and the CW. Thank you all for, for joining here today. Yes, yes. We have uh, some fine folks here in the chat here. Got to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we've had uh, this week, uh, this week, Robert, it was some really good numbers we had viewing live and in tune for us. Well, good stuff to see. Um, Appreciate yeah, the, got, uh, the grow. Yeah. We got a lot to cover today, obviously. Uh, we're going to obviously preview AEW Revolution. Going to talk SmackDown a little bit. Uh, is John Cena going to be at WrestleMania 40? Is he? I don't know. But you know what? We are going to start with Tony Khan's media call yesterday uh, that I happened to be on. I was actually the second person to ask a question, which I was pretty surprised about. Um, and I asked about Jennifer Peppermint and her role with the company, what the creatively structure it looks like backstage moving forward. And the response Tony gave me was pretty interesting in regards to it seems more still like a collaboration of minds instead of maybe her being like a primary filter for how the creative story gets told each and every day. Um, so he actually named some people. He said he stayed over, over time on Dynamite uh, to do some creative discussions. Uh, names, uh, friend of the show, Mike Mansuri was one of them. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Brian Danielson, Will Washington, and others he mentioned. Uh, and then he said Jennifer Pepperman has been a part of the process, and she has been uh, attending those meetings as well. So, um, Robert, kind of want to get your thoughts on something like that. Uh, when it comes to her, it does, that that's the way it indicated was it was more of a collaborative process than maybe her being like a primary filter for it. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that's how Tony wants everything to be positioned that that there it's business as usual and that his model and his methodology works. There is what feels like a a very splintered, bifurcated. Uh, creative process that they have in AEW that it is all still Tony. It's what Tony thinks. It's what Tony wants to do. Uh, and everybody else is just sort of following his direction, bouncing ideas off of him. But at the end of the day, he is uh, Caesar. He's Vince McMahon. He is the guy that all answers uh, stop with. I've been on creative teams where it's more collaborative on creative teams where it's one guy's vision and you're all just hoping that you get heard. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what it happened. He's they're working with great people. Jimmy Jacobs, very, very smart guy. Mike Mansouri, really brilliant guy. Brian Danielson has an insane mind for how this business works. Uh, bringing in Pepperman, who I know has a great relationship with Mercedes Monet, hopefully can add uh, a lot to the women's division there. The, the hope is that Tony is able to pull his ego back a little bit and he's able to listen to all of these voices and engage in a collaborative environment. Part of the challenge with AEW has been this, this siloed world where you have the, the, the bucks and their vision of what they think professional wrestling is. You have Kenny Omega and what he thinks professional wrestling is. You had Cody, what he thought professional wrestling was. Then you had Danielson and Moxley and Jericho and his whole crew and it makes for kind of a hodgepodge. 
Yes, it does. Um, and there's actually a new report, uh, I believe, from the Wrestling Observer Radio. Brian Alvarez made mention to this about the AEW locker room and them kind of going against maybe what Tony Khan has in mind for the show uh, when it starts off. Uh, now, this is according to Alvarez. He says, a lot of people are very frustrated because they don't find out the Tuesday until the Tuesday before. Some people do. Some people know what they're doing because there are a couple of matches usually advertised in advance, but most people are showing up the day of the show and finding out if they are doing anything or not. And it sounds like, too, that people are going against what he says, and Tony basically relents and lets them do what they want. That's according to Brian Alvarez. Um, what do you think about that, Robert? So I don't want to uh, betray confidences. I don't want to reveal any information I'm not supposed to reveal. However, um, it has been brought to my attention, and I've seen folks at tapings who did not know what they were doing. They just knew, hey, I'm here. I don't know if I'm wrestling. I don't know if I'm cutting a promo. I don't know if I'm just here to take promotional photos. I'm just at the building. And then being told various different ideas. You're doing this. Now you're doing this. Now you're doing this. Now you're doing nothing. That happens in wrestling. Number one, like that, that does happen across the board. What I can tell you is going into an episode of Raw, going into an episode of SmackDown, even going into an MLW taping, we had a show written out. We had who we needed there. Maybe because of timing, something needed to get cut. And, and that was the case. But you always wanted to have that information conveyed. And if you were going to be there, if you were taking your time and you were flying out there, there was going to be a, a meaningful use for you in some capacity. It has to be frustrating if your talent, whether or not you know, am I going to TV tomorrow? And if so, what am I doing? They need that ability to kind of wrap their head around it and and you know get in that right mindset. When you're not running house shows and you're not constantly working, it does take a little bit of a ramp up period. There's a little bit of like, you don't just instantly turn it on. You want to think through a little bit. You want to be able to really map out what it is that you're going to do. There's a relaxed atmosphere backstage with AEW and, and it, dynamite tapings, collision tapings, very different than the atmosphere that WWE used to have. But I think there's a, a middle ground that you need versus this very loosey goosey kind of, uh, kind of feel numb. Yeah, uh, RVD can attest to the the good atmosphere that's behind the scenes and how he kind of liked it. He said he felt more comfortable backstage uh, being behind the scenes in AEW and stuff like that and that kind of dynamic. It but, feels like a Rob Van Dam uh, sort of back backstage vibe. Well, and, and tuned to something else, too, that you mentioned. I Yeah, I don't want to betray any confidence either, but I've heard the same thing from some talent in AEW about like, hey, somebody basically just said that's AEW. You know, uh, kind of what it that's what it's like, you know, hey, do you know if you're going to be at these tapings? You know, if you're scheduled here, I'm not sure. But that's AEW basically was what I've overheard and stuff like that. So and for a lot of these guys, this is their first time working for a major wrestling company. It's all that they're used to. If you came over from WWE or even probably if you came over from TNA, you're coming to it with your own experiences, your own background. So it's not to say it's it's right or wrong. It's different. And if it works for that talent, great. Right. Yeah. There's a, many ways to do different things. So hopefully, you know, what he said about creative, everything like that, they can just oh, work cohesively so everything is copacetic and gets executed properly on television. Look at you, copacetic. A big word for a Friday. I, I love copacetic, man. Hey, you know what? Do you like more pay-per-views, Robert? Because Tony also talked about that. So seeing that no, he said eight pay-per-views that they had this year, uh, 2023 or in 2023, 
This year, he says nine pay-per-views may be the sweet spot for them. Here, he's got this is the quote that he said from the conference call. I want to be open and honest. I can see this year being nine to ten, and I think nine is a good sweet spot. I feel like that's about the right number. I don't want to make a huge change or increase, but definitely eight was incredibly successful. I don't want to do anything totally different, but I do see an opening for nine, probably maybe ten, but nine feels like a great number for us right now. I thought six was a pretty darn good number. Robert, yeah, a lot of... Is that too much? Nine's a little too much for AEW. What do you think there? Yes. Um, here's the here's the reality of it. AEW, when they were running four shows a year, that was a solid number for them. That gave them a chance to build to make those four shows significant and important. They added in Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door was a, a unique attraction. Totally understand where the appeal for that audience would fit. The all-in show when they did it in London as a as a special show completely understood the draw for that when you are charging $50 a pop for these shows and i believe that is still the price point these are 49.99 per pay-per-view that's correct yeah you're going to lose a large portion of your audience because they're just not going to spend that the the numbers that they get on the pay-per-views are very good and i think with the exception of world's end People generally feel they've gotten their money's worth out of an AEW show. A lot of them voted very highly by by the Observer. Generally speaking, when you pay your $50, you're getting your money's worth because those pay-per-views are like 14 hours long. Um, the problem is when you're running nine a year, ten, let's say it's 10. Let's make math easy. It's 10 a year at 50 bucks a pop. That's another $500 uh, that you as a wrestling fan are committing to. On the other side of the aisle with WWE... You have Peacock, where you're paying maybe five, ten dollars a month, and you're getting those pay-per-views. So it is a learning curve for wrestling fans. As fans, we used to know if you were a WWE fan, WCW fan, you're ordering that pay-per-view, you're spending 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars a month to get a pay-per-view because none of us ever had a friend that had a black box. Uh, yeah. none of us ever had to go to some doofus's house that you really didn't like, but he's the only person you know that had one of those boxes and you were willing to feign a friendship with him <laughs> to try and go ahead and get to watch those pay-per-views with him and his mutant friends. I am not thinking of anybody in particular, Nathan. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a very strange new world that you're in because Tony is now going to say nine or 10 pay-per-views a year. I want your $50, which means... He needs to be creating matches and content that's going to justify that price tag for, for 50, 50 bucks a pop. And I'm really curious to see what the AEW audience is going to do at a point in time where the numbers have been down. I think the momentum that AEW has has been a little bit stalled of late. They do have some interesting opportunities going forward with some of the folks that they've snagged. I think Osprey. That's going to bring in people. Okada, assuming they get Okada, Mercedes Monet. You're going to have Samoa Joe pretty well entrenched as a, a champion right now, putting some steam behind Swerve, some steam behind Hangman. You can rebuild and and refocus that uh, that momentum. Uh, and I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Real quick, want to give a shout out in the chat to uh, Lou Mina himself, Ryan Heffern, saying, "Look, good fellas." Nice to see you in here as well. And then we've got uh, Bucks uh, Bucks in 04, $500 in nearly seven years worth of basic Peacock subscriptions. 
Uh, yes, 500 bucks would be about seven years worth of Peacock, uh, which also gets you the fine television show Bubkiss, written by my friend and uh, Russell Rose co-host Mike Lawrence. How about so, that? There's an extra little plug for uh, for for Bubkiss, but boy, you really mind this uh, this Tony call for a lot of information. What uh, what else did uh, what else did Mr. Khan have to say? The TK happened to mention the Meat Madness match getting replaced to the Egg Scramble match. And uh, he actually probably gave a good reason. Because uh, we mentioned, um, I think you mentioned it, all those guys were still advertised, you know, as healthy and stuff like that, that were advertised for the Meat Madness match. But apparently he had more in mind, uh, including Miro and maybe somebody like Keith Lee. But uh, it's been reported that Miro is hurt. And he said that was part of the issue. And he wanted to have, make sure the Meat Madness was indeed Meat Madness. So he put it on ice. And instead went with this match scramble coming up here. So I, I get it. You know, meat madness. You want big meaty men slapping meat. And speaking Whoa. of slapping Whoa. meat, today's hey, show Whoa. is brought to you by Blue Chew. Uh, guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Go to BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll, be, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, Dom, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. You will be slapping meat in no time because Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code RUMOR at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. No $50 pay-per-views here, guys. $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code RUMOR to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring this podcast and Dom's awkward whistling. <laughs> Thanks. I also want to have awkward conversation with Blue Media at uh, Meanie Mania in uh, Philadelphia at McCusker's Tavern. Go there. WrestleMania weekend. He's having a party there. So I want to talk to him about a little bit of Blue Chew. Blue Meanie, me and him and Blue Chew. How about that? <laughs> What you do on your own time, man, is your own. But you you were on Tony Khan time. Any more uh, notes, tidbits, baubles from the uh, from from Mr. TK? Only thing he touched upon was the disciplinary committee uh, and some Sting having an open door policy. Uh, it doesn't seem like anything concrete with Sting, but he's welcome back anytime. It pretty much seems and Tony Khan was eager to potentially have him back into the mix if he so desires. Uh, so we're already what, teasing that the retirement is not a retirement. Could be, could very well be. You never know. You know. And look, I, I there never is a never. There is a small part of me mm -hmm. that would not mind uh, if Sting got one last uh, dip in the WWE pool. Mm. I think having the last match, the loyalty to Tony Khan, it makes sense. I was never a fan of how Sting ended things in WWE. I think they have the tools to kind of tell that sting story from beginning to end, whether that is just, you know, Hey, we're going to do a documentary for Peacock. Uh, maybe with a new Netflix participation, they could do a Netflix documentary and use all the footage from a very large chunk of stings career. I think we can ignore 
a lot of the TNA stuff. I'm sure he would want to ignore a lot of the TNA stuff, but to be able to use some of that old NWA footage, some of the WWF footage, some of the WCW footage, uh, and tell the Sting story. If anybody can make that happen, it really feels like it's probably The Rock, who we know is already doing a Ric Flair uh, movie. But uh, I'll be curious to see where Sting where Sting goes. But Sting still has one last destination. He does. Before he leaves, and that is the AEW Revolution pay-per-view this Sunday night. Dom, where are you good? <laughs> what would what, you think? What'd you think I was teeing you up for? <laughs> I was gonna. I, I was was like, you think yeah. that was your tease for the SmackDown that, preview? Yeah. With the good talk in the revolution, we're, we're teasing revolution, revolution. What do you want to talk about? Um, SmackDown. <laughs> let's go. Let's Love go to it. SmackDown instead. Dom is gonna be the best producer in the business, but it was nice to hear an inadvertent Dominic D'Angelo cameo on the Arn show for Ask Arn Everything, where you were throwing a question at uh, at the Enforcer. So uh, Dom is just, he's ever present. In addition to all the shows he's going to plug later on, he is going to whore himself out later. And I know you did another po po podcast last night, man. Yes. You are like, you're the voice of wrestling. You're like Jim <laughs> Ross, except. Uh, Shorter, you know, balder, more awkward, potentially. <laughs> uh, having worked with JR, it's a toss up. Okay. But, uh, hey, let's get to this. Let's get to this preview, man. We got a lot, of, a lot of stuff. Yes. Sting and Darby Allen, obviously main eventing against the Young Bucks. For the AEW World Tag Team Titles, uh, Robert, you could, we've kind of expressed our indicated maybe what we're thinking about this match. What is your bold prediction? Do you have one for this uh, Sting and Darby Allen? This last match of Sting. Uh, they made it a uh, it's like a Texas Tornado match, so there's a lot of uh, I don't know uh, ways out of this thing, a way, ways to hide some of the stuff. Let Sting jump all over the building. I don't see Sting going out on his shield, even though I know that's what he would most likely want to do. But between them, you know, basically killing his kids and then him talking about the passing of his father, he's not going to let the Bucks win. And then you get the Bucks as the EVPs stripping Darby of the tag titles, probably making a new tournament, let them do all their, their bullshit. But you're in North Carolina. If you're ending with this, it's got to be happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the way to go. I mean, I ultimately... Um, I will go, I'll make the bold prediction, say the Young Bucks win, because that's what Sting would probably want. And so, and Tony Khan's going by the notion of what Sting wants, I think. So um, if he's adamant about that, he was he picked the Young Bucks to be his final opponents. I could just see hit them getting the win and then Sting getting a very, very epic send-off at the end of it all. We'll see. I hope not, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, okay, world title match, Samoa Joe, Adam Hangman Page, and Swerve Strickland. How do you see this playing out here, Robert? Now is not the time to take the title off Samoa Joe. I think he has um, over-delivered as being a world champion. He has demonstrated a degree of maturity, a degree of, of consistency. He feels like an adult. He feels like a main eventer when he's in there. You can pair off Hangman and Swerve and get another bite of the apple with those guys in some sort of last man standing, coal miner's glove on a pole, you know, tuxedo match. Uh, at the next pay-per-view. And Joe has a lot of opponents down the road for him. I think Okada, Osprey. I wouldn't mind another Samoa Joe Brian Danielson match at some point. He's got a lot of runway for the remainder of the year. And if you're switching to a 9-10 pay-per-view model, Joe's a guy that can get over a lot of matches and a lot of matches very, very quickly. So as long as he stays healthy, 
uh, I would ride the Samoa Joe train for quite a little while. I agree. And yeah, I think that's the way to go. I think if you're setting Swerve up, if he doesn't get that title for a good uh, thrill of the chase kind of aspect of it all and a build almost like a Steve Austin in a lot of ways to when is he going to get that title and you can kind of really position Swerve in a good light and then ride that momentum of, of Hangman being a heel still. I think it's a it's a good, they're set up for a good position and Joe's a good flag bearer for AEW and should be continuing to do that for a while, I think too. Uh, next up, Tony Storm versus Deanna Perrazzo for the AEW women's title. Did you see this change in hands at all? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you, it, no, Deanna, I think the, the one consistent thing in this entire Deanna Perrazzo uh, feud, unfortunately, is that Deanna Perrazzo is not currently well positioned to be the next women's world champion. They need a strong champion for Mercedes to go against. I don't see them taking the title off Tony Storm. It's too fun of a gimmick. Let's let's keep this thing going, Dom. It is. I agree. I agree. You can't. It's timeless. Some would say, I think. I hate you. <laughs> Somebody else, I want to be my father figure is Christian Cage, the TNT champion. He's going up against uh, Daniel Garcia, Buffalo's very own. Uh, do you see this potentially being a title change here, Robert? No, no. I think Christian is another one who you've got a lot of mileage on Christian in this father figure role. I think Garcia has demonstrated that he is worth all the time and attention of the this guy can be something in the future. This match uh, should be pretty good, but there's a lot of outs in order to to not change the title here. I feel like they want to get another Christian Adam Copeland match out of the situation. So I, I would see this being a, a good showing for, for Mr. Garcia, but not enough for a title change. Here's an interesting one that uh, has been getting some weird build. <laughs> Is the international title match Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Strong. Obviously, they we thought that they had the big match, the Texas Death match with Matt Taven, which set this up. I guess. What do you kind of think about this, Robert? I am dumbfounded by this entire storyline. This this devil storyline. As I said, you know, Oli passing. I'm just glad Oli lived long enough to see something eclipse Black Scorpion as one of the dumbest reveal storylines possibly in wrestling history. It sounds like the story they're setting up is these guys winning all of the gold, in which case Roderick Strong would win. I hope they kill this angle with fire. And <laughs> and I think Orange Cassidy retains just to make it go away. However, if Orange Cassidy were to lose, I feel like it's going to be because of a Trent heel turn. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. Okay. How about this one? Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston for the Continental Championship. It feels weird to say I don't care about a Brian Danielson match. It feels weird to say I don't care about an Eddie Kingston match. Yeah, I, I love the both. match will be very good. It's just it feels like a lot of like we've seen this. So the stipulation here is if Eddie wins, Brian has to shake his hand. Uh, fine, let him shake hands and then go and do something else. I think part of the thing with with Kingston, I love Eddie Kingston. He's a great underdog. He's the guy that you want to see fighting for the title. You don't need to see him being a, a dominant champion. So I can see eventually him getting that title taken off of him. I don't necessarily want to see Danielson have to carry around three belts. Uh, and yes, I will call those belts because those are not titles, damn it. They're, uh, they're props. And given how, how rough Bryant's neck is, carrying three belts could really hurt him. 
That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, I'm captive. I love Eddie Kingston as a baby face. I love him as a heel. I love Brian Danielson too. Uh, it seemed like just on paper, it's a great match. Uh, so in that respect, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I guess just keep letting Kingston ride this this uh, three belt thing. I'm okay with it too. Um, Will Ospreay officially making his official AEW in-ring debut, I guess. Officially a, official. Officially official against Konosuke Takeshita. What do you think of this? Konosuke Takeshita. Thank you. I really butchered that. That was that was spectacularly awful. Konosuke Takeshita. Uh, um anyway <laughs> i think this will probably be match of the night uh if depending on how this built like this could be a contender for match of the year i think osprey is remarkable to catch to has that that randy orton vibe to him of like this guy if he puts it all together he's going to be something really really special i'm hoping this severs the ties to the don Callis family and we push don Callis off an ice sheet somewhere like in the movie north oh that's right a north reference in 2024 wow. guys that's do not really go watch it movie. it's a terrible terrible film this will not be a terrible terrible match though i think this is going to be uh really really great i'm excited i'm excited for it. it should be almost i think this should open the show because it's going to be so darn good um ftr versus john moxie and claudio castanoli what are you thinking of this one here Claudio Castagnoli. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. It's why I'm here. Um, it's something about me and co-hosts who can't pronounce names. It's I can't say names. I can it's say your fun. name. I'm glad. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm glad, Mr. D'Angelo. Uh, <laughs> this is a match that, look, we saw it on Dynamite. We're like, why is this match happening? Yeah. And then we got a hell of a match. So I'm excited to see the rematch here. Maybe there's a situation where FTR wins and Eddie Kingston wins, and this is the dissolution of the Blackpool Combat Club because I think that's unfortunately kind of outlived its usefulness. I Every agree. time they're there, I just think of you know William Regal. Mm -hmm. There's a, there are standalone stars on their own. Very clearly, they don't need the faction anymore. I think it's past like sell date, everything like that. I'm ready for it to move on. Hopefully, this. Is indication new to AEW Dynamite set all that stuff. Indication for no more. I'm ready for you to move on. What's the next match? Okay, I'm ready to go to you. Uh, scramble match. What are you thinking? <laughs> uh, well, the winner of this match gets a shot at the title. Um, I have a feeling that even though they've changed the the match itself, um, I think the outcome is still going to be the same. And I think Dre Owens in our comment section hit exactly what I was thinking. April pay per view. If so, Joe versus Wardlow. Given that Wardlow promo, it feels like this is a way to to leapfrog Wardlow uh, to being the number one contender to set up that match with Samoa Joe. The only downside to that is that means we're going to get uh, Adam Cole, uh, someone less physically imposing than Professor X in his wheelchair, uh, out there next to Wardlow. So maybe he pushes him off the stage like our good friend Matt Cardona. Oh, yes. he's He's well aware of all that stuff. Uh, okay, moving on real quick. Uh, we're low on time. I want to get to Billy and the CW here. We got a SmackDown preview. Uh, Rock, what do you think is going to happen here tonight with Cody? Uh, well, I think Cody's going to be there. Rock's going to be there. We're going to get a, a good tease, a good uh, epic back and forth. I don't know if we're necessarily going to get the official announcement of what we're going to see at WrestleMania, but they're certainly going to lay the breadcrumbs, so I'm looking forward to it. What else we got, Dom? Yes, we have the uh, Cena. Is he possibly going to be at Mania? There might yes. be a conflict yeah. in 
a peacemaker. So John's a guy who will find a way to make it. You're not going to have WrestleMania 40 without John Cena in some capacity. I'm guessing because he's going to be filming Peacemaker, he's not going to be doing a 20-minute epic, but a a very short segment. Uh, I had teased, I think, on uh, either here or WrestleRoast. I would not mind seeing uh, them putting Waller and Theory in there against Cena and Batista, who most likely will be a Hall of Famer, you know, give a little bit of the uh, here are some of the legends, at least legends who can still go. Let's let's see what happens. I wouldn't be against that either. I wouldn't be against them wearing a Donovan McNabb jersey either. Bring it back. Bring back thugonomics. All right. Hey, he might not be wearing a Cleveland shirt, a Johnny Manziel jersey, if you will. Uh, but maybe at SummerSlam, he will. 2024, Russell Vote says it's been rumored that SummerSlam will take place in Cleveland, as hinted months ago by Sean Ross Sapp. I'm told through sources, WWE is close to finalizing a deal with Cleveland Brown Stadium to host the event on Saturday, August 3rd. Formal announcement should come in April. Robert, what do you think about SummerSlam being in Cleveland, home of Drew Carey? Home of the Miz. So I guess Miz is main eventing SummerSlam. Um, <laughs> it's it's fine. It's, uh, it's oh, to, to quote uh, Seinfeld's Asian, it's Ohio, Jerry. That's kind of how I feel. I'm not going to SummerSlam. I'm not traveling to to Cleveland, Ohio, unless Conrad is doing something special and uh, we haven't been made aware of. And like, why, why don't y'all to why don't y'all to come down to come down to Cleveland? It's gonna be <laughs> gonna be awesome, man. We'll put you get you a house there or save a Comrade dot com. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. But Dom, this was awesome. This is the best way to start your weekend. And if you have a little extra time this weekend and you want to hear a little more Dominic D'Angelo in your ears, where else can the fine people find people find you? Dumb. Yes, if you want me to mispro- hear me mispronounce more names, you can try going to the One of a Kind with RVD podcast. I, I do a good job out there butchering some names. And then on top of it, you can also hear me at Magnum and Gagne, the straight talk with the boss, Magnum TA and Greg Gagne. Uh, go to Ma- GagneandMagnum.com for that. Hit subscribe, tune in wherever you get your podcasts there. Also go to RVDTV.com to catch all the episodes, exclusive clips, all that and more. Finally, Road Dogs podcast is ending. It ended this week. I was the producer for it. There's rumors that I cried on that episode. Uh, if you want to see me potentially cry, check out Oh, You Didn't Know, the final episode. It's a good one. So there you go. Robert, what do you got cooking? Oh, I didn't know his podcast ended. So uh, clearly I have to go back and listen to that. Uh, you can find my other podcast, Wrestle Roasts. Uh, it dropped uh, today. Friday with uh, Scott Chaplin and Dan St. Germain. That's always a good time. And you can find us every Monday through Friday across a variety of social media platforms. We are on SE Scoops. We are on WW Creative underscore ISH. We are on Podcast Heat. Our folks who make this show happen, our friends at Podcast Heat. Uh, we're at Dominic D'Angelo. Also on the ad-free shows and rumor and innuendo YouTube page, make sure you subscribe and follow on all those various platforms. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, I'm sure it sounds great because, uh, you know, we hit Dom with a number of chairs to make sure this is fixed. <laughs> and uh, throw up a five-star review. Give us a review. Makes us, uh, makes us really happy. But I'm just happy to be here, Dom. Uh, I don't know about you. But uh, I'm excited for AEW Revolution this weekend. And on behalf of the revolutionary Dominic D'Angelo, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors. Sting!